0: The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today.
1: Think of all the incredible artists who have come before us. Michael W. Smith, Keith Green, Amy Grant, to name a few. And this week we get to chat with another trailblazer and Mr. Brian Duncan.
2: Okay, I'm nervous. So am I. You hit me with a question and I'll try to answer it. Sounds okay, good. well, the Let's get first started, one, Johnny. it's always the hardest one, and it is,
1: uh, who are you and where did you come from?
2: <laughs> I'm still wondering about that one. I am a, I'm a Pentecostal preacher's kid. I grew up all over the United States. My dad was an evangelist in the early days, so um, I was never in the same school for more than a year and a half, and I learned how to strike up a conversation with a telephone pole because you know nobody stayed around very long. And so I became kind of isolated, so to speak, you know, considering that, you know, I'm, I'm following Jesus and yet I, I didn't have any long-term relationships growing up. And Mm -hmm. I, it was like, I like to tell people I was given all the answers before I had the questions. So, you know, it's been mostly a matter of working out with fear and trembling my own salvation. It wasn't like a. I was raised in hell, and then I was transformed
0: somehow. You kind of, I guess, have to deconstruct all the stuff that you learned. Because, <laughs> you know, deconstruction's that hot buzz word right now. What does that mean? The head-to-heart knowledge. Yeah, I-
2: I've missed heaven by 18 inches before. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> that's that's about how far it is from here to here. You know, I wrote songs for uh, from the very beginning because I was already playing in church. And that's where, you know, mom gave me accordion lessons. Oh, my gosh uh oh. fortunately i didn't stick with that i i mm-hmm. went to keyboards and my dad had me playing bass in the church service thank god for three chord songs back then <laughs> I play.
1: did you feel like was you becoming a pastor was that something that you thought about because you grew up in the church or did you feel like because you were playing music music was maybe the direction that you were gonna go
2: i didn't think about any of that stuff you know i I guarantee you I did not want to be a pastor. I didn't I watched my dad behind the scenes and it was, you know, being a pastor is a rude reality most of the time and it's the politics and the the way people wear you out is that parts familiar to me by the way but no. uh, I never wanted to be I never wanted to stand on the platform and tell you you want to do this or you need to do that or, or I know what I know what's happening and you don't. Um, I was never like that. I was always an observer of, you know, in in the back of my head was always going, what's wrong with this picture? You know, I just grew up as an observer in church world and um, I became kind of pragmatic because as as a direct result.
0: Yeah, we have a chance to see the behind the scenes. That, that's something not a lot of people get to experience. I know there's been a lot of conversations and now I guess October is, uh, past, pastor month where you're supposed to like help your pastor and, uh, help them with oh, burnout. News. So <laughs> only one month, you know, one month you like think about your pastor's mental health, but a lot of pastors and people <laughs> leadership dealing with mental health crisis. I
2: go to a church locally and my pastor is as attention deficit as I am. I and mean, it just, and but he delivers, you know, it's, it's right down the pipe, you know, all the, all the right numbers, all the right scriptures. And, but I'm going, yeah, but I know, I know better than to think that he always believes that, you know, it's, sometimes it's good to just have somebody to, to uh confess your doubts to. Or to your frustrations, you know, my dad didn't ever have that. And, mm. of course, he kept moving around, too. He never stayed in a church very long. And, you know, it took a toll on him not having a friend.
1: With you moving around so much as a kid, was music kind of your outlet then? Because you just, like you said, you you didn't really have that stable relationship of friends throughout you growing up.
2: Well, I didn't start really writing songs until I was 16, but yeah, in high school, it was exaggerated, you know, that sense of, you know, of isolation, you know, and I think teenagers to this day are, are still, you know, you're just, you're so self-aware. You can't even get out of your way. You're so worried about what other people are thinking about you that you never stop to think, wow, who do I like? And <laughs> it's like never, never crossed my mind to, to choose people to be around. Um, and eventually, I I embraced a guitar instead.
0: How did your parents feel about you going down the musical path instead of pastoral or doctor, lawyer? You could have been a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> my folks
2: sang duets, too, you know, in the early days. and their, their evangelistic ministries, they sang together, did duets, and they were both, you know, musicians. So that didn't surprise them. But my dad did say one time, he says, you know, son, I... I knew you had a heart for Jesus and that you, you might really go out there and serve him and lead people to Christ. And he says, but I also knew you could raise hell and, you know, get yourself trouble. And he says, but I never thought you'd split it down the middle. (laughs) He didn't know what to think of the music that I was playing. You know, what's really funny is that, you know, I was trying, I was talking to my kids too now. And, you know, my oldest one, I, I was trying to talk to him the other day and, He's listening to another kind of music that I don't get. And I found myself saying the same things to him yeah. that my dad said to me. That's not music. That's a bunch of banging around. <laughs> I'm going, oh, my gosh, I have turned into an old man.
1: Well, At what point did you realize that you had a talent that then you could make a career out of this and, you know, start, you know, be a part of a Christian music scene?
2: Well, when I started writing songs, there was no Christian music scene. I mean,
1: exactly.
2: It was Evie. Uh, on, and there was gospel quartets and uh, Andre Crouch was kind of coming around, uh, now in church. You know, he was starting to cross, uh, racial boundaries. But when I started, we, when we started doing rock stuff, I, the Sweet Comfort Band was the band that I started in California, uh, with a couple of guys. And it was the beginning of the Jesus movement. There was a group called Love Song that was doing hippie. I mean, they, they look like hippies and they, they were doing stuff that sounded kind of like the Eagles and the Beach Boys. And so I'm going, hey, that stuff sounds good. We were kind of following their their pattern of, you know, playing stuff that was rocking. In California, it wasn't terribly questionable. But when we started going across the country, a lot of people thought we were demon-possessed. <laughs> and I'm going, wow, I'm just playing a song. You know, I, I can't tell you how many ladies tried to cast demons out of me. Uh, I tell them that they're still here. <laughs> so, oh, you know I mean, I mean, every every generation has to find their way. I mean they and they literally have to make uh, they have to work out their own salvation in fear and trembling and you know, and do the best they can as honest as they can. As like the most encouraging thing to me about knowing Jesus is that it's all on him. I see so many people that are mentally disturbed now. You were talking about that earlier. If God was counting on our uh, mental acuity uh, to get into heaven, man, we would be so screwed. I'm just (laughs) going, it's not even possible. I mean, there's people that I minister to that I've seen who are, uh, you know, have some form of uh, disability. Some of it's mental, some of it's physical, but, you know, you're going... I've met people who couldn't make a wise decision if their life depended on it. And I'm going, this is where God uh, has to reach out and do the work. And it's like, I have to trust God with people who I don't think uh, live very good lives and and understand that um, God is just. And he will give you the opportunity somehow. And he knows what you're going to do down the road, too. So that's a load off that. No matter how befuddled I become, He is there for me anyway, and it's wow, it's astonishing.
0: Was there ever a part, or a part of you in the early days where you felt, I don't really want to sing music about Jesus. It seems like this rock music is better, mainstream, and I can make more money that way. Was there ever that point or a crossroads where you're like, this pioneering of this new industry? no, nah, it's gonna go the other way.
2: I never saw myself as a Christian or a secular artist. I was writing what about what I loved most Hmm. and that was, that was somewhere beyond girls and cars. I mean, I (laughs) still wrote, still wrote about girls, but, uh, most of the time it, it always go, it always went for me musically to why are we here? Hmm. What am I doing? What is the purpose of my life? Um, what is the purpose of all the little details that, that I go through and, and Jesus is the only reason that I've found that goes beyond my immediate circumstances. I'm going, I won't always be here. I won't always be like this. It won't always be like this. Um, this is a valley of the shadow of death. It's not a box canyon. And here I am, you know, after seven decades going, no, that's the one thing that I've been able to count on over my lifetime when everything else fell down.
1: For somebody who's been doing this for so long I, I hear a lot about the jesus movement was what was it about that time in doing music and faith and church that's different from now
2: there wasn't quite the dividing line we've we've de- we've defined Christian music now as corporate worship and yeah. uh, um, you know a lot of the songs sound like you've known Jesus for about two weeks um, there's no <laughs> <True>. <laughs> there's no there's no deeper meaning. There's no, I mean, you. I was listening to some of the stuff that my folks used to do, you know, old Fanny Crosby hymns and stuff. And those guys were in it. They were down in it. And, you know, they weren't afraid to bring up not only the scriptures, but, you know, every song wasn't like, oh, God, so awesome. Mm-hmm. It's. It was. It was deeper than that, you know. Even what a friend we have in Jesus had to come from, you know, a really... A uh, needed spot, and that was a Canadian guy by the way. I drove by his house once when I was up there, but you know it, one of the things I got to say is I read Oswald chambers a lot he's a he's one of my dead friends uh, he 's been dead for a long time, but is my utmost for his highest and he He writes in there one time he says when the the longer you serve God and you follow him in obedience, the more vague his purposes become.' I'm going, Oh my gosh, I'm there. I'm vague. I have no idea, uh, what, what moniker to put on the, over the door. Uh, you know, I don't know that I'm, you know, I sing, I write, I pray for people. I talk to individuals because I think only people matter. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a platform. It's not a format or how many people can I get to come to my gig? And it was really hard to get over that stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just you and God and you better know him pretty well. Uh, and he he'll tap me on the shoulder and ask me to go, you know, be with somebody in the hospital and who doesn't have any family and w- wait with them and watch with them and do nothing. And it feels like nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's what I mean by God's purpose has become vague. I wrote a song about a one of my grandbabies. Cause I got five of them now. I got this little granddaughter and there's a, there's a, somebody wrote, I said, well, why come you don't write a song about your grandkids? And I'm going, ah, they're just annoying. <laughs> and then, well, you know, two hours is about all I can handle of a three-year-old. But, yeah. you know, uh, I wrote this song and it, and it, it goes walking with a three-year-old. Sometimes she holds my hand. But mostly her adventures are where I prefer to stand. Hmm. She only knows I'm watching her, but not the reasons why. My smiling eyes are all she needs to dance and twirl and fly. And then she says, look what I can do. I bet you can't do this. Look what I can do. Now watch me blow a kiss. And I never knew till now this love could be the best when I was doing nothing more than being here for this. Mm. And that's the point of the song is sometimes it's not about what you're doing. You know, God didn't make human doings. He made human beings.
1: Do you see, or was there a difference? So, I mean, your mid seventies with a uh, sweet comfort band, then you have this solo. Why did you, why was the decision to go from band to then you having a solo career?
2: Oh man, there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, if you've ever been in a band for eleven years, um, it's it's like living with your in-laws. Yeah. <laughs> you just, I just want out. I don't care no. where I go. All because I quit the band, and I didn't have any plans of being a big-time guy or going solo or any of that. I I got a job pouring concrete for about six or eight months, and actually, I was happier because I didn't feel like I had to be on all the time and mm. try to get people's attention in it. Cause it's so exhausting. It's exhausting. And, you know, record company came to me and said, uh, we give you X amount of dollars to, to do a record for us. And that was more than I was making uh, pouring concrete. So I'm <laughs> going, okay, well, I guess I'm going to try that. You know, because I write songs for free. I mean, I'd write them for free. I've got three hours worth of music now. And I'm posting them once a week on my podcast under a thing called songs that didn't make the last record. (laughs) (laughs) And they're probably not likely to ever be played on Christian radio because uh, Christian radio has been so narrowly defined now that, you know, most things are not going to make, Christian radio unless it's real generic and corporate, you know, even removes the name Jesus out of it. You know, corporate worship is, you know, God is awesome. And, and there's not a, there's not a lot of personal You know what I mean? There's not a lot of personality to your relationship with him or what it means to follow him. And, you know, God forbid if you tell him you're exasperated with something, you know, it's, it's just a different world, but I'm sure liking uh, uh, the songs that I'm able to post on my own podcast because they're never going to make the radio.
0: Hmm. You know, it's interesting you talk about Christian radio now compared to Christian music. Um, you know, back in the day, in those trailblazing years, and is there something that I don't know that you wish? Something that we could have kept that maybe we've lost today in the music that is becoming popular.
2: Well, one thing we've lost is the ability for a Christian artist to sing to a secular audience. Mm. You know, they've, they've managed to put a frame around what we do and, and, and now suddenly you're those people. Yeah. Uh, and I went to a show uh, of the Neville brothers down in San Diego, uh, you know, a couple of the brothers and, you know, is, is a funky band from and a whole crew of uh, musicians from New Orleans, you know. And I love the sound, I love the funk, but um, I was disheartened because I'm going, they weren't better than me, you know. I can I could play that, I could play circles around that, and and yet they have six thousand people at their show because it's all about partying and yo, and everything was so generic, it was like yo yo, what's up with your bad self. Staying with my cousin in the crib. He's like, never any deeper than that. So don't think it's just worship music that's generic. People don't want to hear anything. They don't want to apparently hear any insights. That's not really true because I, I posted a song last week on Nutshell Sermons called That's Not My Story. It was inspired by a pastor who was in his 30s. He had two young girls and a wife. And he just started his ministry and he got cancer, colon cancer. Mm. And he says, yeah, I got I have colon cancer. He says, but that's not my story. You know, I'm here for the purpose of God. I'm here to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, for however long he wants. And that's the end of that story. And he says, and I I was so inspired that I, I wrote a whole song. That's not my story. That's just my circumstance. It's too often we define ourselves by what we're going through. You know, there's no faith in that. You know, I'm here in this, in this dark room. um, And, and you're just, all you're doing is acknowledging where you are. You're not acknowledging who you are or whose you are.
1: I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, oh, I'm going to have a conversation with Brian Duncan at some point this week. And he goes, oh, one of my two favorite uh, writers he said, uh, you and Keith Please. Green were kind of the two favorites that he had. And, and then I, there's so much depth in, in music and song and songwriting. And then now I hear you say it's almost like we've really simplified music and we've really simplified Christianity.
2: The technology is, it, it's always good and bad, but we've leveled the playing field so anybody can make noise. You know, I mean, you, everybody has a garage band, uh, app on their phone for crying Mm -hmm. out loud so anybody can play anytime it's like watching a football game and then suddenly you give the ball to everybody in the audience you know it's like (laughs) okay well you know what you're gonna get is a cacophony with no rules and no uh no time limits you know and that's and we're seeing that across the world social media is just exaggerating a cacophony of chaos, absolute Mm. chaos. I have to limit my amount of time on the news and, you know, you you hear them just because their whole job to get people to watch is to broadcast fear and, you know, and it works. Everybody pays attention, but, um, I got to remember, I come out here in the morning and pray, um, that God's not up there wringing his hands going, Oh no. He says, Hey, I hear everybody's thoughts every day, all the time. This is nothing. He says, this, <laughs> this is the same stuff has been going on for years. It's just now it's broadcast to other people, and you know, we're throwing up on each other's coffee table.
0: <laughs> it's true. And it's a lot for us humans to handle. Um, But thank goodness for God. It just seems like your relationship with him is, is that a relationship? Was there a moment in your life where suddenly all the information was being downloaded into your brain, made it to your heart where it became just truly something (laughs) you believed in? What was that moment?
2: (laughs) There isn't a moment like that. I don't think that exists. You know, I was listening to some, some of my old songs because I have to do songs that people remember. And, uh, and I've heard lyrics in my own songs that I'm going, wow, when did I forget that? It happens all the time. You know, we were talking about uh missing heaven by 18 inches from your brain to your heart. And mm-hmm. I wrote a song about that once. I got to get you into my heart and out of my head. No mind games. I'll take love instead. It mm-hmm. sounded really good in the song, but, you know, it actually didn't stick very well because yeah. I'm still... I just think that eventually I will be able to think my way out of a problem. And apparently, if I worry long enough, uh, God will answer my prayers. <laughs> Look, that's never that's never worked either. You know, somebody said once, he said, uh, you know, 90% of the things we worry about never happen. So yeah. I guess it's pretty effective. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my
1: goodness. I mean, you've, you've written thousands of songs, some that have been uh, published and produced others that you're, you're releasing on your podcast. And then you also have written books. Is there a difference in your writing when it comes to writing music to then writing stories or writing for book?
2: Not really. I, uh, you know, in songs I rhyme more often, but I, I still love alliterations and, you know, using the same word, you know, five times in a different way in the same paragraph, uh, those things are kind of fun. And I like the turn of a phrase. So, I mean, when you hear my nutshell sermons, it sounds like I've had three cups of coffee because I'm going 100 <laughs> miles an hour. They're, they are sadly humorous. And then the book that I wrote, Prayers You Won't Hear in a Church, was uh, they're a little more slowed down, but they, they're so off-base somewhere during the prayer that you're going, oh my gosh, I can't believe he he just said that out loud. Uh, you know, one of my prayers I'm posting uh, next week is, dear God, can I, can I be humble if I look good doing it? And, you know, <laughs> so the whole thing, the whole diatribe is, you know, me starting off on the wrong foot to start with, you know, this is like, dear God, I need you to kill someone. No. Uh, you are know, probably not going to answer that prayer. <laughs> <laughs> But see, you know, that's that's closer to the kind of prayers that I pray than the ones we hear in church. I also wrote a book that that was it's almost one line, one liners. It's it's called Five Second Devotions. <laughs> it's, mm. it's like, I, uh, you know, spoke to God. Here's what he said in a nutshell. It's the same kind of thing, though. Spoke to God. He said, your body is a temple. A temple, not an apartment complex.
0: Oh my goodness. Why did you start the nutshell podcast?
2: Because I wasn't working enough. Okay. uh, Fair. You know, since the COVID lockdown, I mean, my concerts have gone straight into the toilet. I mean, I'm, I'm not working enough to call it a career, a Mm full-time career. And I'm spending more time on my porch because Half the time, you know, nobody can come to a concert without some kind of format. And even then, and I got really tired fast of doing online concert things. They, they don't no. pay anything. Well, it's, you know, you just, you don't make enough for the time that you invest. And uh, so, I mean, the podcast idea was forget doing an album. I, I, I need to make a living. I, I need to find a way to support myself uh, doing something that I love And one day I was listening to the radio in the car And they were talking about how people were doing podcasts And that when you didn't insist that people subscribe to your page Or pay you money to hear your content Just say, look, whatever you think this is worth Send me something to support this hmm. And and that is working And it's all, I've only been on for about three weeks But it's working and, you know, people want to support good things and they want to hear music that, you know, isn't that doesn't sound like everything on the radio right now. I'm hoping that in the long run, it'll be something I could do. I could be sitting in a wheelchair right now on my back porch and doing uh, nutshell sermons. I'm also preparing to be 90. <laughs> <I'm> going, <laughs> uh, You know, I still look pretty good for an old guy. You know, I'm in a 55 plus community now. And uh God lives next door. I'm pretty sure is Moses. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the good news for me is that, you know, at my age, I'm in the youth group at my church uh, <laughs> because it's, you know, it's a bunch of old people and, mm. you know, they, they still have talent, but, you know, they don't even come out of their house these days. Mm. So I've got the porch all to myself and I can make noise over here and and the old people are deaf anyway so they they can't really hear me <laughs>
1: <Aww>. <laughs> is there a point like as a musician is is retirement a thing does one retire from being a musician because i feel like you constantly continue to write you can still play you can still do all the things that you know you did 30 40 50
2: years ago so does retirement even happen well even even if you wanted to retire um you started the you started sentence with musician. Uh, there's yeah. no retirement for a musician. I, I've never even heard of such a thing. Right. I know a couple of guys that, uh, you know, I've got a friend that had a number one hit across all three genres of music, country, Christian, and pop. And he made a killing. I mean, the first week was like his first royalty check for Airplay was a million dollars. And, you know, and from there it was, it was stupid. But, you know, in some ways, he doesn't have to do anything now because he's got a, he's got plenty of uh, money. He's set, so to speak, unless, you know, some disaster happens. But, you know, it kind of ruins your motivation. You know, we always think, wow, if I just, if I could just be financially secure. And then I, I watch on TV about all those fires all across the country and people losing everything in a, Mm. in a blink. I'm going, you know, we're putting our faith in financial security rather than in the guy that provides uh, the financial security. And God has never been my debtor, although I sometimes feel like I'm hanging by a thread. It's like, wow, I, if God doesn't come through, we're going to be in big trouble. Hmm. And here I still am, you know, seven decades of, you know, yet have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. Or their children, if you want to call it that. That's one of my favorite verses. I am young and now I am old, and yet have I seen the righteous forsaken. Or their children begging bread. That's in the book of Psalms.
0: Sometimes in radio, especially Christian radio, we're like, oh, we're making Jesus dollars.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Jesus dollars. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, it's where you stir up your rewards.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we <laughs> your rewards in heaven because, you know, here on earth, it
2: just is what it is. No, that's exactly. Um, but, you know, it's like if it wasn't for hardships, uh, you know, my prayer life would be pretty shallow. Uh, <laughs> at some point, there's a reason God allows suffering in this world and doesn't explain everything to you. Because, you know, the primary his primary purpose for us is to know him, is to know him. And, you know, it's like with my wife, I wouldn't have known much about her if we just went to Disneyland, but you walk through the valleys of the shadow of death with somebody or you, you face crisis one after another. Holy crap, we had kids, you know, that'll kill you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, eventually you, you learn something about somebody because of the things that you've had to overcome, you know. I love my wife in a way that I never realized was even possible, you know. I just see her. Sometimes I see her as the 12-year-old that she used to be, you know, because she's still like a little girl to me sometimes. She's also like a judge and jury. (laughs) 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 You know, I was thinking about getting her something for our anniversary, a gavel, you know. 50 days, (laughs) like pound a gavel. Okay, that's... Don't tell her I said that.
0: No. But, uh, go with the jewelry. Always go <laughs> with the jewelry.
1: <laughs> we talk about, you know, facing crisis and that our, our purpose is to, is to know him. In the hills and valleys of life, uh, we come to this point where we ask God that question, why me? Why am I put into this situation? Why am I going through this? For you, can you think of a, a why me moment in your
2: life? Oh, it's more than a moment. You know, since I left a major label, there's been 20 years of that, of why me? And what am I supposed to be doing? Hmm. And you know, one thing I've learned is that if God closes the door, you don't Jimmy a window just to make yourself feel better. Um, but I've walked through a lot of silent nights where I'm going, what am I supposed to be doing? Uh, I I feel lazy. I always read that scripture: a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and your life comes to nothing. And then I'm, you know, I try to rush God and say, "Well, you know, what do you want? You know, for the love of you, what do you want?" Um, but you know, I, I, I just think that that's an ongoing thing. You know, we tend to think of the goal in life as being what we aim at. We, we, we set a goal and we go get it. And I was reading Oswald Chambers was talking about, he says, God's not so much interested in the goal as the process of getting there. Hmm. He says, because the goal is just a point in time. And if, if you're an eternal God, you know, what is a point in time? It, it's nothing to him. It's just, it's, it's the process. It's, it's eternal you're living an eternal life and. You know, maybe maybe he's preparing you by what you go through for something. But I don't even think he's necessarily giving us a test. You know, he's just he's wanting us to get used to him and to be comfortable around him when you're doing nothing, when you're saying nothing. You know, some of my best friends, looking back, I could sit on the porch with him and we may not say anything for 30 minutes. Just sitting out there watching the sun go down. And there's something about that that we don't really get, you know, because we're in such a hurry to uh, make our life matter.
1: You talk about uh, your marriage and you talk about kids and then you talk about your grandkids and, you know, thankfully that they, they give you a gift that you can control them on your wrist. Um, <laughs> is, is it is it honestly true that being a grandparent is better than being a parent because you can just hype <laughs> them full of sugar and then send them home?
2: Oh, Absolutely. Oh, you want a Popsicle before dinner? Sure. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> you know, I one of the biggest mistakes I ever made, because I've got four granddaughters and a grandson, and two of the granddaughters are over almost every day. I, You know, I was trying to plan something for them to have fun at Grandpa's house, and so I built a fire in the backyard, and we roasted marshmallows, those big ones, you know, those big softball-sized yeah. marshmallows We you stuffed the candy bar inside of them, <laughs> like <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was a huge mistake to feed <laughs> two little girls full of marshmallows at eight o'clock at night when the sun goes down. Cause now we're pinging off the walls. And of course, sugar does the exact opposite to an old person. You know, you have too much sugar and you fall oh, into a coma. Oh so, so I'm true. kind of cast out on the floor and they're jumping on my belly. I'm going, this is, this is not a good plan. <laughs>
1: When you have a fire in your backyard, are you not worried about your neighbor, Moses, coming running over?
0: Yeah. Looking for no, God in thinks, the bush. No,
2: <laughs> no hey, you remember it was a fire by night. Uh, yeah. that Moses used to follow. There you go. So and you know, he he's got dementia at this point, so he's probably not even looking out his window at this uh. point. And I uh, you know, nobody really bothers us out here. I live on the edge of a golf course. And so the houses are kind of spread out. Um, but I have a little fire pit in my backyard because I like I always like burning matches and playing with fire. And here I am at my age still playing with fire. And uh, and now my kids get me trouble. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, they they punish me for uh, not being a good boy. <laughs>
1: Whether it's a nutshell sermon podcast, uh dot or at Brian Duncan on all the socials, brother, I'm so sorry that it's taken me this long for us to finally sit down and have this conversation. But uh, I'm glad that we were able to make this happen.
2: Well, some of that is my fault, and you guys are just wonderful people to know. And I hope you keep in touch with me at, at some point. You've, you're on Twitter, right? Yes, yes we sir. Are. Hot dog. I'm, I'll follow you on Twitter if I'm not already. Uh, I'm at lunatic friend two. You know, I talk to everybody every day and it's a ministry paradise, frankly. Hmm.
0: It's a nice way of looking at social media.
2: Yeah. You know, you better find something good about it. And, uh, you <laughs> yes. know, when you start talking to start talking to individuals instead of, you know, platforms and yeah. you'll yeah. find, you'll find human beings. You'll find real people who care and, and who are concerned for things. and. And it's not so much that people don't care about where you are. It's that they don't see where you are, you know, and, that, and that's why, you know, what you guys are doing is, is spectacular, you know, to talk about, you know, real things and what you're going through and, and being able to stand beside someone and say, I get it. I get what you're feeling. I get where you are at. Uh, and if I don't, I still will walk with you while you're going through it.
1: Brian, appreciate you. Thank you for for saying yes.
2: Yes. You're welcome.
1: We've had so many opportunities in our career, Holly, to Mm -hmm. talk with uh, a a number of incredible artists. Yeah. That was the first time that I've ever had a chance to chat with uh, Brian and maybe one of my favorite interviews ever.
0: My cheeks actually hurt.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I just love that he's just... A, very funny, but B, hmm. very true to his faith. I love the, the dement, or not dimension, but just like, often we think we have to be serious about what we believe. And here he's yeah. just living out the joy of the Lord.
1: It's interesting too, because he's been doing it for so long. It's kind of like, he's just like, this is who I am. This is, yeah. you know, what I believe. This is where my heart is, where there are a lot of newer artists who feel like, well, I don't want to offend. I don't want to say anything because I just don't know how people are going to react to that. Where Brian's like, no, this is what it is. And, uh, mm-hmm. take it and, you know, do with it as you will.
0: Yeah, exactly. So now I've got some homework to do. Got to check out some of this, uh, some books into the nutshell podcast.
1: Thank you for listening to our podcast, for downloading, for checking it out, telling mm-hmm. complete strangers and best friends and, you know, putting the Wime project stickers on gas station. we got to get stickers. Why don't we, we have do. stickers?
0: I don't know, but we can totally get some.
1: Okay. Uh, <laughs> at Apple podcast, uh, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcast, make sure you download.
0: Yes. And also don't forget, you can always check us out at faithstrongtoday.com.
1: Huh?